nothing like a little Gronk and maple syrup to start your Thursday right. Uh, good morning, everyone. First things first, I'm Jenna Wolf, Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall's already getting ready with the ball. Heaven looks great. We got a great Let's show go. for you today. Hold it in. Hold it tight. Don't let it go. We're going to start in Seattle tight, where as good like as Zeke. the Seahawks. Or Tiki, my friend Tiki, as good as the Seahawks are on offense, <laughs> they are lacking that on defense. So yesterday they addressed that problem. Hello problem. Acquiring Pro Bowl defensive end Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals, hoping he can give the league's worst ranked defense some help. But Brandon, do the Seahawks need the defense to improve drastically or is Russ good enough to carry the Seattle team <laughs> no matter what? I don't think so. I don't think Russell's, Russell is good enough to carry this team uh, when that defense is playing like that. Historically bad through six games. We all know the stats. They're giving up the most yardage in NFL history. This is a great signing by the Seattle Seahawks. Carlos Dunlap is not one of those guys that's going to have 15, 16 sacks a season. He's going to be right there around eight sacks a year, but he is so disruptive. He can do everything. He can stop the run. He can be uh, aggressive and, and a disruptor in the pass game. This is a really good signing for them. And you also got to remember Damian Snack Harris, Nick, is sitting on the sideline. So I think he's probably dropped maybe 15, 20 pounds since being on that practice squad. So he's going to come in and be a disruptor. You have Jamal Adams coming off that growing injury. He was supposed to practice yesterday, That's but didn't. Yeah. So he may be a week or two back. I think this historically bad defense can easily go to good when they get those three guys on the field at the same time, Nick. Okay. Okay, so a few things. Uh, I'm not sure what year these Carlos Dunlap highlights are from. I just know most of them aren't from this year because this year he's been something of a non-factor. <laughs> now, maybe that's the situation. Maybe that's just the Bengals malaise. But Brandon's right. Once upon a time, Carlos Dunlap was one of the most disruptive forces in the league. I don't know if he still is that, but if he is even something like that, he will help this historically bad Seahawks defense. To answer the question, he, Russ might be good enough to carry this Seattle team no matter what, but they are, going, they are trying to thread a needle that has never been thread in NFL history, a defense this bad winning a championship. The team I That's consistently right. bring up when yeah. we talk about the Seahawks is the team near and dear to my heart, the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. They came as a historically bad defense has come to winning a Super Bowl. If not for an offsides call or a coin flip in overtime, they go to a Super Bowl and then who knows. But that team didn't even get to the Super Bowl, much less win it. And so the question really is right now, I think more than about Carlos Dunlap, to Brandon's point, when Jamal Adams comes back, what does he bring Seattle? Because Wilds, my friends in Las Vegas, the odds makers, oh boy. I don't know if anyone else has noticed, they're cooling a bit on the Seahawks. The Seahawks are at Ooh. home this week against San Francisco. They are three-point favorites. That is our friends in Vegas telling us, we think the Niners and Seahawks, about the same quality of team. Give them three points for home, With otherwise it'd be a pick em. And at, at Right, and after San Francisco, you've got Buffalo, <laughs> the Rams, Arizona. It's a very tough month of football coming up for Seattle. I don't oh, think, Miles, they could... Well, going to yeah, Buffalo from Seattle right, right, to right, Buffalo... Right, Nick? Well, I... 
No, Brandon, I the... don't think Buffalo's good. I don't think Buffalo's good. That's nah. not the conversation right now. But I understand other people okay, do. Okay. But Seattle, historically, going West Coast to East Coast, whether it's a good team or a bad team, does not do really well at those 1 o'clock East Coast kick, kick times. I know you know that. So, I, Wilds, I, I believe that... Seattle's got to find a way to get better on defense because no matter how great Russ is, that's not going to be able to carry you to three or four consecutive playoff victories. I totally agree. Look, there's six great teams in the NFL. It's the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bucks, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Seahawks. Now I'm going to give you six numbers, and these six numbers are the amount of pass yards that they give up. The Ravens give up 230. The Steelers give up 217. The Bucks give up 225. Packers 240. Chiefs 211. Seahawks 368. Who's the outlier? Who doesn't belong in the great teams club? Well, it's the Seahawks. Well, and if Carlos Dunlap can go and make a 150-yard improvement to get him in line with the Chiefs, then he deserves $150 million. He's like, look at me. I single-handedly saved us the whole length of the field and then some. So yeah. I don't think it's enough, but I do think, Brandon, that the Seahawks brass is doing the right thing because while everyone else is sitting on the sidelines, Bill Belichick, make a move. I actually like that Seattle's there being like, all right, let's go get Jamal Adams. Let's get Carl Stone. Let's see who else is out there. It well, feels like everybody else in the league is just sitting on their hands. Well, you talk about that $150 million. In retrospect, you think they would go back and give Clowney $100, $150 million now? You let that guy walk out of the door. Bruce Irving, you bring him in. Uh, he goes down with an ACL. Uh, they're just banged up. They have two issues, personnel and scheme. Their scheme is actually good. The problem is that they've just been running it for 10-plus years. And everyone in the NFL has a book. We do this, right? Like every team, every player pulls out their book. Oh, the Seattle Seahawks. Let's see what so they do notebooks. on first down. 70% of the time they do that. On, on second down, second and short, second and long. This is what they do. And I think that's a huge issue. No one's talking about that. Um, I've been saying it week after week when we talk about the Seattle Seahawks. I picked them to win the Super Bowl, Nick. But the reality is when you look at what they do, we everybody knows. I think the 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 average fan knows exactly what's going to happen on third and short. The average fan knows what's going to happen on third and long. Where Bobby Wagner's going to line up. Where KJ Wright's going to line up. Which, what happens if there's three by one, two by two? In fact, that is the issue, Brandon. That but that and that's why I think the biggest addition Seattle's going to make over the next ten days is getting Jamal Adams back. Because Jamal Adams yeah. is a linebacker who plays safety, and the ability to use him something of a rover in the defense, I think, could be somewhat transformative for them if he's They're fully healthy and up. if he looks like the Jamal Adams that he looked like with the Jets. But the other Jenna, and this is a very, very pro-Russell Wilson show. Brandon knows him and his friends with him. I was beating the drum five years ago when Andrew Luck was getting all the headlines Russell Wilson rightly deserved. Wilds yeah, loves Badgers. him, you love him. You love Mr. Unlimited. With that said. Named his kid after him. Russ needs to play well <laughs> this Sunday against the Niners. He's coming off a brutal game by, by anyone's standards. Those three oh. picks, they weren't tipped balls. Brandon, those are bad picks. One was in the end zone, one was in yeah, the red but, zone, one was in overtime. But here's the deal. I, 
So I can assure you this, and it's not because I'm friends with Russ, but because I've, mm-hmm. I've been around him, I saw his work ethic, and I saw what he's, uh, he's able to do. This is not, a lot of people think, oh, Russ is having an MVP year because he's hot. There's a lot of guys that are trendy. There's a lot of guys that are hot. This is sure. actual, actually Russell Wilson maturing and being smarter on the field, understanding what's going on, slowing the game down while they're giving him all more opportunities to throw the ball. So that, this isn't agree a thing 100%. where you want to see Russell Wilson up it's and down. It's not a hot streak. Russell Wilson. Agree a thousand percent. Correct. Correct. They're finally but just letting him throw the football. I think he could have done this. That's he right. He could have done this last year or the year nice. before if they, had, if they had empowered him in the offense like that. Totally agree. You're all wrong. He That's has three right. picks because he's a new dad and he hasn't slept in a week and a half. He'll be fine Sunday when the oh. Seahawks host the 49ers. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my lips, too. That's really? a, take a turn. <laughs> That's an interesting take, That's a great take. take. That's a take. It's a That's take. A good take. Should, the Chiefs be on, should the Chiefs be on upset alert against the Jets? Asked literally nobody ever. <laughs> Why this mismatch of mismatches? I want to delve further into Jets' take. Next. Taking the Jets. I'm taking the Jets. A healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? Eat veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise to get your heart rate up, do yoga to bring your heart rate down. Woo! Maybe it's not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything, and you can do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each side your sleep number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart. They respond to your every move and they automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proving quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, introducing the new temperature balancing sleep number 360 smart bed. For a limited time, save up to $1,000 on the new 360 smart bed plus smart adjustable base only at Sleep Number stores or www.sleepnumber.com slash cadence. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power, and now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? 
Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Time now for a little drawing a blank as we quickly move. Hey, uh, that's it, it's two days. I only get two days to pick on them. Tomorrow we'll pick on someone else. How about Baker? It's an easy target. Baker and the Browns getting set to host the Raiders Sunday on Fox. First game for the Browns without OBJ, who's out for the year with the torn ACL. All right, Brandon, Baker's first game without Odell will be blank. Intriguing. Jenna, um, it's not because Odell isn't a great talent and he can't go in and make plays for this team. It's they didn't know how to use him. And I truly believe it takes pressure off of the play caller. It takes pressure off of Baker Mayfield. So I want to see who this Baker Mayfield guy is. Take out Odell. Now let's see if you can get it done going through your offense. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is it will be haterific. Because much like Dave Chappelle's great player haters ball, no matter what happens, there will be folks on this very show finding a way to hate on people. So if the Browns play great without Odell, Jenna Wolf will come in as doing her best Silky Johnson impersonation and say, see, they didn't need Odell all along. And if the Browns play poorly and lose, Brandon Marshall will come in with his best Buck Nasty impersonation and say, see, Baker Mayfield stinks. So win or or lose, the the Browns <laughs> will find a way to be hated on by the Brandon, very folks I work with every day, Kevin Wilds. No, he yeah, ran into himself in that Hey, remember when LeBron went to Miami and he tried to be like mean LeBron and it just didn't work and later on he was like, yeah, I'm a happy guy. That doesn't really work with me playing the villain. That's where I think Baker's at. I think Baker needs to have fun. So I went DMX worthy and I think he's going to have another fun quote like uh, this one from Sunday. Take a listen. You know, it, it's just a necessary mindset of you know, doing whatever it takes to, to win. You know, it's you know, having to after that first quarter, stop, drop. Shut them down, open up shop. Like, oh no, that's just how Riders roll. Take the Raiders. Take the Raiders. Take the Raiders. I'm with you, Brandon. I love it. Just everything on the Raiders. Everything on the Raiders. On to Buffalo now. Bill set to host the ice cold Patriots. Sorry, K Man. They've lost three in a row for the first time since 2002, the year Nick was born. But Brandon, a Patriots loss to the Bills would be blank. Not surprising. Right now, the Patriots aren't a good team, and they're actually sloppy. You got to look at what they're doing in all three phases of the game. We've never seen a Bill Belichick team play so bad and so sloppy and give terrible effort. So it won't be surprising. And I also still believe in the Buffalo Bills. I think this is a good team. I was high on them before the season started. I still believe they can get it done. Brian Dayball grabs his young quarterback, tells him, listen, young man, just go through your progressions, calm down, relax, (laughs) and go throw it on rhythm. That's what happens.
A Patriots loss to the Bills would be flammable. And by flammable, I mean it would precede flammable. a fire sale. If the Patriots lose to the Bills, Stephon Gilmore is being shopped. One of the McCourties is being shopped. I could imagine one of their offensive linemen will be shopped. Now, I don't think they will lose to the Bills. So just like the, just because something's flammable doesn't mean it will light on fire. It just means it can. That's true. So they should be flammable. They, if, if they lose to the Bills, there's going to be a fire sale That's in New England answer. Wilds. I like that. Okay, rainy Thank day you. in Buffalo. So we got to be, I think we're just going to be running the ball. If we lose bad, it's going to be pretty uh, ugly for us. If we win bad, I'm okay with it. Either way... We're fine. We got the Bills again because the Bills have the third toughest schedule in the NFL. If we can take a look at it, we know that Miami's not going to do anything with their rookie quarterback. We know the Jets are the Jets. So this is a tough, tough schedule. We got them again in December. What does that mean? So even if we lose this game, I think we're okay. I just explained it. <laughs> you know what it means. The Jets. It is you know two a time Brandon. in Miami. The rookie set to make his first start spent the bye week preparing for a cross-country showdown with the Rams Sunday on Fox. So, Brandon, I'm sure you remember your first career start. Nerves, maybe a little. So, Tua's first career start will be blank. Ho, 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 ho. Baptism by fire. Listen, Jenna. There's Reggie White, and then there's Aaron Donald when you talk about disruptors at the mm. defensive line. This is what you want to do to your young quarterback? Maybe it's a, a great play. Uh, Nick, you always talk about this coach being one of your favorite coaches. He's smart. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. I wouldn't have done it because Aaron Donald could make this dude fear the NFL. So I don't like it. Baptism so by fire. Okay. So we're on the same page here, kind of, Brandon. I said this is 1950s-style parenting. So what am I talking about? I asked my grandmother <laughs> once how she taught my mom how to swim. And she said, well, we took her down to Coney Island. They lived in New York. And we threw her in the ocean. Said, you threw her in the ocean? They said, yeah, because then after that, <laughs> everything would seem easy. So you have him start against Aaron Donald, and then it's like, oh, Joey Bosa doesn't scare me. The Cardinals <laughs> don't scare me. Lot, the, nobody scares me. So it's 1950s parenting. Yeah. You start them off on the toughest possible competition, <laughs> and then everything else seems easy, Wilds. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that. Um, hey, I, I went with, uh, what did I say here? Something about Jared Goff and his... Uh, Wild, oh, no, tell me. You said golf confidence. We need to. Okay, golf confidence. I got you, Katanic. Golf confidence. Everybody, it's golf confidence according to Katanic. Uh, because it, just sure like you, you said, it. Brandon, the Rams—they're losing their minds. They're talking about having being the third team to win a championship in LA. Uh, you know, it's definitely something that we're conscious of. Like, slow your roll, buddy. Just because the Lakers <laughs> and the Dodgers won has no effect on you. So I think we're, he's a little too confident, so I'm actually pulling for the Dolphins here. Yep. All right, let's finish up in Kansas City. Our friends at Fox Bet have the Chiefs as huge 19.5-point favorites in this one. That's one of the 10 biggest NFL spreads ever. Also, best team versus worst team. Also, Le'Veon Bell's revenge week. So, Brandon, the Chiefs oh. being favored by almost three touchdowns Forget over the Jets is blank disrespectful this is going to be the first time that i picked the jets all year the jets will cover j e t s jets 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 let's go stop disrespecting okay. the jets okay. guys 
tired of it. Brandon, you've got the right word, but for the wrong reason. I also said disrespectful, but it's disrespectful because this line opened at 21 and a half. It is now 19 and a half, which means America is betting on the Jets. What? America's moved the yes. line in the Jets' favor? What utter disrespect to the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs and Wilds? What disrespect to my tears, where we have the one team at the very top True. playing the one team at the very bottom? This should be a 27 and a half point line, Wilds. It's disrespectful to the Chiefs. 27 and a half. All right, so I got, I've yeah, got two goodness. things. Find a one. Way. Brandon, can you lose us with the idea that you respect the Jets? Because before we got these like fancy uh, foam things here, you had a bunch of framed jerseys. Meanwhile, you got your own Jets jersey sitting on the ground next to your slippers that you pull up every time. So don't tell me you respect the Jets. We treat you like your jersey. I do. I got all kinds of jerseys. Jets, 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 Jets. Look, you got everyone else. Every one of your other jerseys is framed on the wall. I think it's a big uh, game for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence got at Boston College today. Like, let me tune into the Jets Chiefs, see how my future could turn out. Could I could I go with a team that's really well built and beat Patrick Mahomes, win MVP, win a championship, or I'm not that different from Sam Darnold. Hate to break it to everybody and just get annihilated. So I think the Jets need to have a solid performance because Trevor Lawrence will be watching. Mm. I mean, you're so generous. Oh, you're always thinking mystery. about everybody. Take. take a turn. Talk some hoops. They're going to get annihilated. Hey, are the Lakers about to Wrong lose dude. one of their key cogs to the Clippers? We'll discuss next. First things first. Uh-oh. It's over. It's over. Welcome back. Time now for our player resume sponsored by Indeed. Upload your resume today. Mookie Betts became the first MLB MVP to win a World Series title with multiple franchises. And that was only year one of his monster 12-year deal. Mental note, I should ask for a 12-year deal. LeBron took to Instagram yesterday to Whoa. congratulate Mookie <laughs> with this pick, saying L.A. is the city of champions. That's Let's nice. go. Mookie Betts, this is fire. Nick, what'd you make of Mookie's first season in Dodger Blue? I mean, it was amazing. And once again, happy for LeBron, lifelong Dodger fan, to finally see his team win a World <laughs> Series first time since he was four years old. But the other note, listen, I, I know Mike Trout fans aren't going to like to hear this. Mookie Betts is the face of baseball now. And you can make a strong argument he's the best player in baseball. I know Trout's got yeah. all the advanced Ooh. numbers, and it's not his fault that the Angels don't play in big games. But because they don't, we don't know if Trout would be great in big games. We know Mookie Betts is great in big games. He's the face of baseball, and Jenna, he's the best player in baseball. Wow, wow. All right, good stuff. Well, let's stay in L.A. Hearing state. rumblings that LeBron may be in danger of losing his point guard. Not himself, another point guard, Rajon Rondo. But here's the headline. The Clippers reportedly expected to pursue Rondo in free agency. It certainly adds some championship pedigree that perhaps the Clippers were missing this season. So Chris yeah. Broussard is joining us now. Chris, a two-parter. First, would Rondo be a good fit with the Clippers? And how do they then derail the Lakers from repeating again next season? Jenna, he, he'd be a great fit. We know there's two things that the Clippers were lacking this year. Leadership in the locker room, and Rondo's got the respect of everyone around the league. He's obviously got two rings. He's played with superstars better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. 
never been afraid to speak his mind and say what needs to be said in the locker room. So he'd help in that regard. And then the floor general. Remember what Kawhi Leonard said after they lost to Denver. We need to improve our basketball IQ. That was code for saying, get me a point guard, all right, who can run an offense, get us in our sets, get us where we need to go. Look at their roster, Pat Beverly, Landry Shamit. Neither of them is a real playmaking point guard, which is what the Clippers could use. So as far as derailing the Lakers, I mean, obviously it would help if LeBron started acting his age, which will be 36 next season, because the Lakers are going to be better. Anthony Davis is going to be better with the confidence of a champion. However, there are things the Clippers can do. One, attitude adjustment. All right, we, I talked about mm -hmm. it ad nauseum during the playoffs. Preach. They had a sense of entitlement. We, we're the champions, you know, we, uh, stop all that. They should be humbled and motivated to come back and play their best basketball. Yep. Two, Kawhi Leonard has to get rid of the load management. I mean, like he has to commit to playing a full season of games unless he absolutely can't. <laughs> If he has to sit out, fine. Issue. Otherwise, he should be targeting 75 games this season, you know, of an 82-game season or whatever they end up playing. And then three, I mentioned the floor, General. And four, get some size to back up Ivica Zubac. I think, you know, Nerlens Noel, who can block shots, Aaron Ooh. Baines, who is a big physical body Aaron but Baines. can step out and shoot the three. Those are the things. I, I know they're not great, but they don't need, you know, they're not going to get a superstar. <laughs> just but those are backup centers that they could help them. <laughs> okay. First, You're let me address me. the Rondo part of this. <laughs> I'm not mocking you. I'm mocking the Clippers. But I, let me, I want to give the Clippers uh, a compliment right now. This Rondo oh, this story. this be a compliment. This is so adorable. This is like when you've got a little brother and a big brother with a big age gap, and the little brother walks downstairs wearing the big brother's clothes, and the shoes are too big, and the jacket's too big, and he's like, hi, everybody, and it's like, oh, look at who you're trying to be. Oh, you see him do it, and you're like, we can do it too. No, you can't. So, yeah, the Clippers do mm. need an upgrade at point guard. And, I, and by the way, I've got a $1,000 bounty for the first person that gets Patrick Beverly on the record talking about this, because I would love to hear a Patrick Beverly who refused to look LeBron James in the eye at Vegas and shake his hand, told Steph Curry, this is my league for the next five years, how Patrick Beverly feels about them potentially bringing in Rondo and shipping him to Charlotte or wherever he would end up being, how, that, how that's landing with Beverly, because he's always been a very calm, cool, and collected, level-headed fellow. But none of, yet yeah, Roussard's right, the Clippers need leadership and playmaking because their best player provides none of either. But what they really need is big people. No. Because real quick, the league got big on them. Look around, who you gotta beat to win a championship? You gotta beat the Lakers, who have the two best post scorers in basketball. You might have to go through the Nuggets, who've got maybe the best all-around true center in basketball. If the Bucks get it together, you're going to have to go through Giannis, who lives at the rim. And by the way, all of a sudden, and I know it's probably slim, if Daryl Morey can remake the Sixers, Joel Embiid's there. So a team that totally neglected size, Brandon, needs size more than they need anything. And Rondo, as good as he was in the playoffs, ain't giving you size. So yeah, I, I, this wouldn't, 
This would be a nice move for them. It would provide some of the gaps that are there because Kawhi's their best guy, but it wouldn't change the math on Lakers Clippers. They got to worry about getting through the Nuggets first. I totally disagree with you, Nick. 100% disagree with you. You got to understand that their problem had nothing to do with on the court. It had everything to do with what Chris laid out. Leadership, number one, continuity and chemistry in the locker room. And it's not just bringing in Rondo just for leadership. It's his style of leadership. He's the type of guy that will hold people accountable. He's the type of guy that will get in your face. He's, he's Ty Lue. That's who Rondo is, and that's what they need because you are right. Kawhi's not going to give you that. But you're wrong when you talk about playmaking ability. Please, he's just been Mr. Consistent the last five years. So I I don't want to hear that. So when you think about the makeup of this team, the thing that derailed them had nothing to do with the court. It had everything to do with the chemistry in the locker room. And I believe it's because of their philosophy and guys not buying in. Kawhi's not going to change. Kawhi is who he is. So this whole thing, Chris, about, well, he needs to drop low management. No, that's who he is. So if that's what they're going to do, if they're going to be a team that says, you know what? Low management is something that we're going to embrace. Uh, Privilege, practice privileges for our star players is something we're going to embrace. Every single guy in that locker room that's not a superstar need to understand that and embrace it. Because what happened this year was guys chirping and not buying into the system. And that's what derailed this team. They're not far off. You insert Rondo, you get that chemistry right. They're easily one of the, you, you can say they're easily the best team in the NBA. Well, okay. That was you are you brought it you brought it right there to the goal line and then fumbled it. That was a that was yes. a little uh, DK Metcalf uh, Baker right there. That was very close, very, very close. Uh, Rashard, wasn't we, we're, no, we're no, it's not close. Like the, before you go, Wiles. Before no, you go. Before you go. Come on, go that's what we were talking about before the season. That's what we were saying that they're the best team in the NBA. They're not the best team in their own the building, season. and they're they're, they are not the best team. They're not the third best team in California. They're I like I, I don't think they got it. Oh, uh, Broussard, here's the funny thing about Kawhi that nobody can figure out because we don't have a real. He's not an open book. We've seen him thrive with Tony Parker. We've seen him thrive with Kyle Lowry. Rondo is is a different dude. Rondo is is a leader, but he he doesn't. I, I, he doesn't lead like Tony Parker, which was like the whole sport Spurs organization. Kyle Lowry and, and Kawhi develop like a, a real relationship. I'm not saying Rondo is cold, but Rondo has a little bit of like a, a sniper's mentality. Like there's a certain mental toughness that you need to play with Rondo that I don't know if Paul George and Kawhi have. I'm not, and I'm not saying Rondo wouldn't fit. I'm saying it, it, he wouldn't just come in and be this like kumbaya guy, like, hey, everybody, it's me, Rondo. Yeah. Let, let's go out to lunch. I don't think it's that type of leadership, and I actually think that's the type of leadership that they need. They need more of like a, 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 a hugger and, and not kind of like a stern dad. <laughs> No, I, I do think they need some sternness. I think Brandon is right. And I okay. think he, I think Kawhi is definitely mentally tough enough to play with Rondo. And Paul George has got to man up and get a little bit tougher. And I think he can as well as your second best player. Not your first best player, but your second best player. I, I just have a very, very quick question. Bless you, Jenna, for <laughs> Broussard. Very quick. Of course I would. Why would Rondo want to do this? Why That's would, fair. unless the money well, is drastically money, different, 
Why would right. he want to leave the Lakers for the Clippers? Why? It's going to be money, number one. I think he'll go to the highest bidder. Number two, he could stay money. in L.A. And look, Rondo's a guy. What if he went to the Clippers and won? they won a championship, which is possible? Then he'd have been on three championship say, teams. Three on three that boosts teams. his sure. legacy and his Hall of Fame. It boosts sure. his Hall of Fame credentials if he, you know, he's close. In his pockets. <laughs> oh, he's in. Broussard. All right, let's move along. Time for a little drawing a blank now. Uh, really? The Sixers Definitely? making a splash Ooh, yesterday, yes. reportedly nearing a deal with former Rockets GM Daryl Morey to be their president of basketball operations. Is it time for small ball in Philly? Embiid's out there somewhere smirking. All right, Broussard, Sixers hiring Daryl Morey should have Embiid and Simmons feeling blank. Shaky. I know Daryl's plan is not to come in right away and trade those guys, but he has shown that if it's not working, he will move on from big names. He traded Chris Paul two years after giving him this huge contract. So these dudes need to produce, and they should be on edge. All right, we're going to have much more on this topic coming up. But back to the NFL now. Question for you. How good does Russ need to be to overcome that Seahawks defense? And is it fair to ask that of him? We'll ask that of you guys next. First things first. How about some football tonight? Matt Ryan and the Falcons needing a win to get their season back on track. They take on NMC South rivals Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. It all starts 7.30 Eastern on Fox NFL Network and streaming on Amazon Prime. All right, let's head west, young man, to Seattle, where as good as the Seahawks are on offense, they are lacking that on defense. Yesterday, they addressed the problem, acquiring Pro Bowl defensive end Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals, hoping he can give the league's worst-ranked defense some help. And with that, we welcome in a guy who knows a thing or two about tearing up defenses, Mr. Greg Jennings. Greg, good morning to you. Do the Seahawks need their defense to improve? dramatically or is Russ good enough to carry this Seattle team no matter what well they definitely need their defense to improve dramatically but if they don't I believe Russell Wilson is capable more than capable of carrying this team and he's proven it offensively they average the most points in the league uh, when it comes to explosive plays they're right there tops the league they have the most 20-plus yard touchdown passes in the air, as well as touchdown passes over 20-plus yards on the ground. So they know how they have to beat teams, and that's offensively by putting points up on the board. However, when you don't, when you struggle defensively on third down, as well as struggling offensively on third down, it puts a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson. And the one thing we saw this previous week against the Cardinals was him do something uncharacteristic of what we've seen all season, and that's turn the ball over. Yeah. He cannot turn the ball over with this defense playing the way that they play because it's not complimentary of what they do. Now, they don't get a lot of stops, but they take the ball away. They're top four in the league, top five in the league with takeaways, which gives Russell Wilson and that offense extra offensive possessions to put the ball on the board. So they do complement each other, weirdly enough, and it allows them to be where they are sitting atop the NFC West. Greg, every time I get an opportunity to let everybody know my preseason predictions, I'm going to take it, right? <laughs> so I picked the Seattle Seahawks to make it to the Super Bowl. I picked Russell Wilson to be league MVP, all right? 
but I don't believe Russell is strong enough and good enough to carry this team to a Super Bowl because that is the goal. Now, can he win you 10 games by himself the way he's playing? Absolutely. They need this defense to be better. Through six games, they're the worst ever in NFL history. So insert Dunlap, I like this. He is disruptive. He's not a guy that's going to come in and get three, four sacks a game, but he's a guy that can be dominant versus the run. He's a guy that can disrupt you in the pass game. He's also a great guy in the locker room. I love this pick. You also have Damian Snacks Harris, who's probably a week or two away from uh, also coming and joining that defensive line. Jamal Adams coming back from that growing injury any day now. Those guys playing together can easily take this team from the worst with Jenna Sid to one of the best, not one of the best, but a good, a good defense, a capable defense. Now, here's the issue, though, Greg. It's like you playing against uh, uh, the Chicago Bears for nine years. You played against those dudes twice a year. They did the same thing over and over and over again. They played cover two and they played three. And that's what they did. And everybody knew it. Their problem in Seattle outside of personnel issues is that they've been running the same defense for years now. And we all know exactly what they're going to do in every single situation. The difference between Seattle uh, compared to the Chicago Bears is this. You had Brian Urlacher on the side, okay, in between possessions saying, look, we just said Pepsi, Pepsi, Pepsi. When we said Pepsi, Aaron Rodgers, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, everybody heard it. And, and we went to cover two. Now they're on the sideline thinking that next time we call Pepsi, it's going to be cover two. So this time Pepsi is down. I'm going to call Pepsi. And when they think we're going to cover two, we're actually going to three. And that's why when you say, uh, when we're talking offline, like, man, this defense, they perfected it. But it was Brian Urlacher being able to adjust in those moments. If you're going to run the same defense over and over again, then you got to have that, that adjustment. You got to have that quarterback, that Peyton Manning, that can get you into different plays when you understand what the offense is about to throw at you. So the two issues in Seattle is personnel and scheme. They got to find a way to fix this because they have Russell Wilson in this offense that is hot and it can lead you to the Super Bowl. I agree with you to a degree. I don't mind what they do defensively. It's the personnel. If you don't have the personnel to back up what you do, it doesn't matter what defense you try to insert. It doesn't matter what scheme you try to draw up. You're not going to be effective because you don't have the personnel to actually execute what it is you're trying to provide uh, an offensive look. So I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I agree to it to a degree, not fully. The Chicago Bears had personnel across the board at all three levels who understood how to do their job and I think with the acquisition of Dunlap, you're, he's going to apply the pressure. He's going to get in the face of the quarterback. He's going to allow Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin and all those guys to be able to cover a little longer. Bobby Wagner, opportunities to get off of the offensive linemen so that because they're covered up now by defensive linemen. It's all, it all plays together, and that's what they're not doing well. But Russell Wilson has been able to put the ball in the end zone, and act, quite frankly, with this being the the number one point scored ever in the history of the National Football League in 2020, uh, that's all that matters. Put the ball in the end zone. So, listen, everyone loves how Russ is playing, and I want to give Brandon credit for 
believing that Pete Carroll was finally this year going to let him cook and let him show the whole world that if given the opportunity, he can put up these types of numbers. But I also want to give Wilds credit for continuing to sound oh, the you. alarm on this defense because the Seattle Seahawks are 42 inches away from being in last place in their division. One yard against New England, six inches against Minnesota. And you might say, well, Nick, but they won those games. Fine. Let's just look forward. If they lose Sunday and they're only three-point favorites, we could walk in here Monday morning and they would be currently on the outside looking in of the expanded yep. playoffs. The margins are not big. As great as the offense has been, they have won. I know they lost a heartbreaker against Arizona, but they've won some very close games leading up to that. And the defense has to get better, Wilds, because we saw for the first time all year, Russell Wilson made some mistakes. And as great as he is, that's not going to be the last time he made mistakes. And they lost. The NFC is too deep and too good outside of the NFC East to be able to get by and get through the postseason with a legitimately awful half of your team, which is what the defense has been. Now, I don't think Carlos Dunlap is a huge difference maker, but I do think Jamal Adams could be. He was supposed to practice yesterday. They expect him to play this weekend. That, to me, is the bigger addition, Wilds, getting Jamal Adams back from injury. Yeah, so there's two things that I don't think we're ever going to hear from Russell Wilson. One, him say Mr. Unlimited again. And two, have a post-game <laughs> press conference where he's like, you know what? I had a bad game. Thank goodness for our defense. They bailed me out. We're on to next week. Every game... They've given up 25, 30, 31, 23, 26, and then the Cardinals scored 34, or scored, excuse me, scored 37, they finally lost. So, Greg, you're a champion. I don't think when you won the, your ring, it's like, you know what? We need Aaron Rodgers to play perfect every single game. You gotta, everybody's human. You gotta have a little bit of wiggle room, a little margin for error, so Russell Wilson could be a normal person and you guys can, and they can still win games. Or right now, he doesn't have that luxury. Wilds, you're exactly right. And what I'm saying, my main point is the defense does just enough. I know numbers, stats say that they're terrible, they're horrific, and yes, they need to improve. However, when we won, our defense wasn't tops on the in the league, but they created turnovers. They gave our offense. Okay who was sure. the strength of our team, opportunities to put the ball in the end zone. All right, well, big divisional showdown for them against the Niners on Sunday. We'll see how that defense shows up. Time now for drawing a blank. Bo Jackson's claim that he would average 350 to 400 yards a game in today's NFL. Getting some traction now. Hall of Fame linebacker Kevin Green co-signed Bo's take on Twitter. So, Nick, uh, needs your take here, buddy. Kevin Green co-signing boasts 350 to 400 yards a game in today's NFL take <laughs> is blank. All right, let me take a deep breath. Give that us the line, Nick. Okay. Greg, <laughs> thank you. Old people line. be lying. <laughs> First of all, all these retired athletes who demand to do back in my day it was so shut up yeah. remember how yesterday i said some people should be told to shut up kevin green shut up 
That's first of all. Second of all, and while you all might agree with Yikes. that, you're not going to agree with this. This is my most polarizing sports opinion. Bo Jackson, wildly overrated. Bo Jackson, oh, an amazing all-time video game football player. His actual career, pretty good. I mean, he played 38 <laughs> games. Leaving. He Wild went over 150 <laughs> twice. And now Wild we're left. saying he's going to go 350 to 400. Greg, retract, you're down Greg, an retract, anchor. Retract, you you know, take, Nick. Retract Greg, your Everyone's statement. leaving me? Uh, Greg just left. <laughs> I won't retract. <laughs> Brandon, you have Greg. Greg, as many thousand-yard rushing Come seasons on, as Bo Jackson did. <laughs> Everyone's go, leaving. Me and you, buddy. Hi, Jenna. It's you and me. Ne I'm telling you right now. We're down look three the anchors numbers. because of your ridiculous Bo takes. Listen. It's we can't lose anchors listen, like you, this. You, Nick, 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 you started something, right? And you were you were off to a hot take, and it was good. Because, I, look, the guys that paved the way for me and Greg and, and my elders, we want to respect. Thank you so much. But this is absurd. This is absurd. Come on, this is like Steph Curry averaging 100 points a game. So, Nick, yeah, no, you, I mean, you went too far with the whole Bo Jackson is overrated. Come on. Come on, man. Greg, I don't know how you feel about All it, right. but that was just way too too much. Speaking of a solid guys, run game, guys, that'll be the Browns' focus Sunday. So they get ready for the first game without Odell. Games. Eight. Back after this. He went over 150 twice. Unbelievable highlight. And Brady goes to the NFC, and you watch Seattle and you go Green Bay, and like seven weeks later, you're like, oh, wait. NFC's got a bunch of, a bunch of good teams. They don't have a Kansas City. It doesn't appear to be even be outside of Tampa, a Tennessee. And I looked this morning, and I think... Tom Brady's going to end up in the Super Bowl. He's the third highest graded quarterback today. That stings for you, does it not? A little. Okay, okay there we go. We got there eventually. Listen, man, I'm just going to have to let you marinate in this moment. Right now, in October 28th of 2020, your lifelong love affair with Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, yeah. not only does it seem to be as strong as ever, but it seems to have you know, reached new heights. I love the relationship God, between Nick and Colin. <laughs> I love the relationship. It's, it's as really Nick would starting say, to irritate adorable. me. I'm Let's not, talk I'm some Cleveland you. Browns. I'm not now. as high on him as I once was. Sorry, Jack. Uh, no, I am. <laughs> Go ahead. The team's sitting at five and two, but also sitting in third place in the AFC North. And now without Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry was asked if it's at all possible that the Browns could be better without Odell. His response, an emphatic, a resounding, not true at all. Well, Jarvis, looking at the numbers, there's a case to be made. Greg Jennings back with us. Greg, is Jarvis, is he just being a good friend? Could the Browns really be better without Odell? Well, <clears throat> I know Jarvis very well, and I, I know his relationship with Odell um, is something that he cherishes, and, and he is being a really good friend. Um, not saying that he is completely wrong, but he's about 95% wrong here. Um, he is an <laughs> impact player, and he does change the game defensively because you have to account for where he is when he's on the football field. But as far as effective as an offense and their production offensively, I truly believe, and you can watch the tape, because the tape, Brandon, you know it, and I know it, it does yep. not lie. Doesn't when lie. you watch Baker Mayfield, 
when Odell Beckham is not on the field, it almost appears as though there's a, a sense of pressure that's being relieved of not having sense to relief. get him the yes. ball or not trying to get him the ball. And for a young quarterback who has struggled with forcing the ball to a guy who we all know to be an impact playmaker, it is a relief at times. You don't want to admit it because of how talented Odell Beckham is and you know what he prevents or provides for a defense or, or uh, looks as far as the defense trying to take him away and opening things up for your other guys. But he is better. This offense is better without Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. Greg, I agree with you. And uh, it's for the same reasons, and I've been saying it for the past week or two. Look, it's so much pressure uh, a dominant number one wide receiver puts on the quarterback and the play caller. There's nothing else I can say. I've been saying the same thing. I sound like a broken record. Odell's a once-in-a-lifetime talent, but it has nothing to do with Odell. It has everything to do with how they're not, they weren't using Odell. I talked about it back in week two and week three. Get this guy the ball early. Also, find a way to get him involved in the bubble screen, in the quick screen, in those one-step slants, in those one-step smoke routes, so he can then take it, because they're extended running plays, and do something with it. But they haven't been able to do it. Odell Beckham Jr. on your roster, and he's only getting targeted seven times a game, is terrible. He's only having averaging four catches, three, four catches. It's terrible. And that has to do with just the whole dynamic of his personality, Bakers, and the play callers. The play caller has to be comfortable. The quarterback has to be comfortable, and he's not. And with Greg said, turn on the film. The tape don't lie. Baker seems more comfortable when he throws the Higgins. The last three weeks, 10 for 11, two touchdowns. He's way more comfortable with this guy. Going back to 2018, way more comfortable with Jarvis Landry. I've experienced this. I had to learn that the first couple years in my career. When I come to the sideline, my facial expression, the way I communicate, the way I talk matters. It affects everybody on that offensive side. So, Yes, I do believe that it's going to be intriguing. We talked about this early, intriguing moving forward, how they operate without Odell. So here's the thing, though, because I do think the offense maybe could be more efficient, just less explosive because you're losing your best pure playmaker. But, Greg, and let, let me toss it to you quickly, you mentioned look at the numbers. What I'm interested in is not only what Baker's numbers are when he targets Odell or targets other people when Odell's on the field when Odell's not on the field, but what do the running game numbers look like with Odell on or off the field? Because you and Brandon know this as well as anybody, what a true number one receiver opens up for other players on the team, most notably running backs who aren't dealing with a loaded box, who know that coverage is skewed to Odell's side, and the easier it makes running the football, how is that going to change? So, Greg, it's not just that Jarvis is going to start being doubled more, but Nick Chubb, when he comes back after the bye, is he going to have as many open holes? Kareem Hunt this week against the Raiders, are they going to scheme to stop him? How much of an impact was Odell having on plays when he wasn't touching the ball? I'm interested to see that because I, and you can speak to this better than me, I don't think that can be disregarded here. No, it can't be disregarded. And, and the reality of it is, is when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they're going to run the ball regardless of who's on the field. 
That's just what they do. They're run it first offense. They know that's where they hang their hat. If you look at their passing numbers, they don't throw the ball a tremendous amount across the field. So Odell Beckham, does he make a difference? Yes. I uh, What Brandon is saying is 100% correct. It is not about his talent level. It is not about what he can or cannot do with this team. It's what they do better without him and how they haven't been able to include him to progress what they already do well. Yeah, and two uh, really quick examples of this, Greg and, and Nick Wiltz. So in 2009, opening game, opening, opening game of the season, we go to Oakland. I'm not there. Okay, we have Eddie Royal, Tony Scheffler, Jay Cutler. They go out there and they put up 40-something points. And at that time, I'm coming off the off of back-to-back Pro Bowls, 100-catch seasons. And my team, they went out there and put up more points than we ever had. And I'm sitting there in awe, cheering, but I'm like, wow, they did it. Fast forward to 2011, playing for the Miami Dolphins. I've snapped my hamstring. Thursday night football, playing against the Chicago Bears. Team goes to Oakland. We got Devon Best, Brian Hartline. Um, They go in there, and they put up another 40 points. And that was the first time I said, wow, it's more about the team than it is me. Now, yes, I go out there. And I I definitely dictate coverage. They're going to roll to cover two. They're going to put two men on me. In the red zone, they might vice me like it's punt pro. But what you got to understand is how does the the entire thing work with all 11 guys, not just one? And everybody has to be comfortable. Okay, so, so real quick, Nick. Let's suppose everybody's right, that this offense is more efficient. They get into the playoffs, maybe they win a game, maybe they go to Pittsburgh and lose, and everyone's like, hey, good season, and they pick up Baker's option. Where does that leave Odell? Oh, I think I think Odell's getting traded. I think Odell's getting traded. Okay. I think that it, it, the, it, it, if it plays out like that, and by the way, after Oakland, they've got, who do they have? They have Houston, Philly, and Jacksonville. This team very easily could be 8-3 and three or 9-2. and two. I think that yeah. they will they will recoup a, a first round pick or a high second round pick for Odell this offseason. That's where I think this goes. Yeah. All right, let's take a turn. There is a new sheriff in town for the Sixers. Will that mean a big change in philosophy? We'll talk hoops next, but first take a listen to Gronk talking mom's cooking. Yeah, I mean it's like a saying my mom used to say, uh, it must be maple syrup because uh, butter don't drizzle like that. You know, you don't got much time to react. Uh, and and syrup drizzles. You got to, I mean, yeah, syrup drizzles. You got to make that play. Uh, and, and a stick of butter, it's a block. You got to put it in the microwave to mm-hmm. melt it. That just takes too long. You got to make that play right away, baby. And and that's why, you know, that's why I'm like the maple syrup. That That's why she used to always say that, because I'm quick with it. I just drizzle all over the place. This weekend, start your Saturday strong. It's the big noon Saturday game of the week. Jim Harbaugh, those 13-ranked Wolverines facing off with the Spartans. It's one of the wildest Big Ten robberies. And it all starts with the big noon kickoff. That's at 10 Eastern. Then you got Michigan State. Michigan, Saturday, noon, Fox and the Fox Sports app. All right, back here with Chris Broussard. Let's talk some 76ers now. They're reportedly nearing a deal to hire former Rockets GM Daryl Morey 
as the ba president of basketball operations. I mean, besides his sharp wit and friendly demeanor, Maury is most famous for his analytics-driven small ball approach in Houston and the wit, both the analytics and the wit. Uh, and that leaves Joel Embiid and especially Ben Simmons in a bit of an awkward position. Chris Broussard, should Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey clean house in Philadelphia now? Absolutely not. I've said for uh, the last year or so that whoever the next coach of the Sixers is should be given at least one season or really one season to see if he can maximize MB and Simmons together. Okay, get them playing great basketball together. Doc Rivers is a guy who has respect of players. He's a guy who understands how to use big men. So I think he will make Joel Embiid a better all-around player. His numbers might not be as high as they've been in the past, but I think he'll be more effective and dominant as a player with Doc Rivers. Doc is obviously coach Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul. He should be able to coach Ben Simmons. And Tobias Harris had his best seasons in, in L.A. with the Clippers under Doc Rivers as yep. the third option. So Doc, give Doc the chance to put this team together, at least a season, because their problem has never been lack of talent. It's been lack of chemistry, lack of fit, lack of playing smart basketball. If next year is another disappointing finish, then you can trade one of your big-time stars, and Daryl Morey's a guy that can get a lot in return for that. Yeah. All right, I have two major points here. One is personal and one is analytical. I'm going to start with the personal. The personal one is I am very upset and a little wounded by Daryl Morey's decision. I talked to Daryl last week. I thought I had convinced him to take a year off, relax, chill out, <laughs> and he and I had agreed that this coming basketball season we were going to potentially call basketball games together on Twitch. I was already setting out a schedule, thought the whole thing was coming together. And then I got the Woj alert. Daryl didn't even give me a heads up that my big plans had been blown up and he's going to run the Sixers. So I'm mad at Daryl personally. Analytically, I think this is super exciting for Sixers fans. And I want to correct a myth. Daryl Morey is not married to small ball. Daryl Morey is married mm -hmm. to maximizing the talent of your best player. The reason the Rockets played the way they did was because of James Harden's unique and specific skill set. Now, Wilds, Daryl Morey's never going to emphasize long twos. He's never going, there are going to be certain things that are standard. But you know what's better than a three in the NBA? Layups and free throws. And you know who's really good at getting those? Joel Embiid. And you know where the Sixers have been awful the last few years? Finding the complementary pieces. And Daryl's better at that than any GM in basketball. He found Montrez Harrell in the second round, found Chandler Parsons in the second round, found Clint Capella at the end of the first round, finds minimum contract guys that end up becoming rotation players. So when you, while I have my own qualms with Doc, he's obviously better than Brett Brown. Daryl Morey, I yes. believe, is the best executive in the NBA. I understand Masai Ujiri would say, give me a break. It's just my personal opinion. I think this is a massive upgrade, massive upgrade from what they had off the court. And if you're a Sixers fan, of course you stand pat with Simmons and Embiid for now until you see what Daryl surrounds them with Wilds.
Yeah, I think Daryl needs to go to the poster shop and get a poster of Tim Gunn that says, make it work. Because he's got to make Embiid and Simmons work. And because you know what? They're not that far off. Dan Devine wrote an article, and I'll just pull my favorite quote from it. He says, as popular as it's been on this website and elsewhere to insist that the gargantuan Embiid-Simmons pairing is fundamentally flawed and incapable of success in the modern NBA, the Sixers still outscored opponents by about two points per 100 possessions when that pair shared the court, even during a disappointing season. If you take Horford off the court, Broussard, they get even better. <laughs> so here's the thing. you got to make Embiid and Simmons work. But I don't think you can make Horford work, and I don't think Daryl can do it either. So I think you got to start. The first calls he starts making is like, where's Horford going? And that, you know, dial up the trade machine. That's is it tough. Horford back to Boston for Gordon Hayward? Is it, is it Horford to, for Buddy Heald? Is it Horford for John Wall's <laughs> terrible co contract? Is it Horford to Leon Rose? Hey, do you want this huge contract as more of a salary dump? I don't think Horford's in the plans. If I was, if I was Horford, I would, I would spend more time at IKEA getting small furniture that's mobile, let, a little <laughs> bit of investment because I don't think he's long for there, Brandon. Yeah, well, when we say blow it up, right? We're, I'm looking at two players. I'm looking at Embiid and Simmons. And 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 Nick, you know this better than anyone. You're you know you're closer to this guy than 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 anybody else. You've going on Twitch and you're going to have a whole show. I don't know what you were yeah, creating, we were going but to, you understand to. this guy. His his oh, M.O. <laughs> is to acquire talent, the best out there, not yeah. to get rid of them. So, no, you don't blow them up. But you got to think about the thing that's the, to me was more intriguing is not about the players, but what type of philosophy with his out-of-the-box way of thinking is he going to bring to this team? Now, when you talk about Horford, yeah, I, I do believe he could be a guy that's gone. When you look at the last 10 years in the NBA, whenever there's some type of trade, it seems like Maury's name is on it. He's in the mix. He's somehow trying to wheel and deal to see who he can add to the team to support his superstars. So for me, what's more intriguing is his way of thinking and his philosophy that he'll bring to this team. And, and, and I'm going to add something else, Broussard. The cupboard had become totally bare in Houston. And I know folks will say that was Maury's doing, and Daryl hasn't told me this, but enough other people have reported something close to it. Tillman Fertitta said the Chris Paul contract was the single worst contract he had ever seen in the history of business. Right. Not sports, business. And so to get off that, you had to trade away all your future assets. He goes to Seven Philly, guys. which has a surplus of second round picks, and all of their own picks moving forward. They, they traded away this year's first rounder, but they have a new first rounder coming in. So moving forward, you, your powder is dry, so to speak, to be able to make moves. Now the salary cap situation is a bit of a mess because of the Harris and Horford contracts that you guys talked about, Broussard. But I do think Daryl right. can make significant moves, especially with an ownership group that's got a ton of money, Jenna, in a year when a lot of teams might be trying to cut salary. That's true. Yeah, I want to show you guys this. This is funny. One of Doc's new assistants, Dan Burke, actually called out Embiid last year when he was with the Pacers. Got to be careful what you put out there. You never know how your life's going to change. He wrote, I think Embiid gets away with a ton of crap the league ignores. So Embiid tweeting, yes, sir, now we can enjoy together what the league lets me get away with. <laughs> I, I love Joel Embiid. Um, Broussard, is this something or nothing? 
this, well, I tell you what, this tells me that Dan Burke never thinks he'll be a head coach. Because you got to be careful what you say about stars. Yep. You never know who you can yep. end up coaching. Uh, but I like Embiid's approach. He had fun with it. I think when they first see each other in Philly at practice, they'll laugh about it and, and they'll be able to move on. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, I never had a situation like this with a coach, but I did have a situation like this with a player, Joey Porter, talking so much trash out there, and we were going at we're, we were going at it, and it wasn't like it was just trash talk. It was getting personal. Then we fast forward to the Pro Bowl that year. We're on the same team, and it was super awkward. And all the guys, Peyton Manning, Champ Bailey, everybody <laughs> just stood up and said, "Okay, what are you guys going to do now?" So after that, we we're able to move forward. But uh, this reminds me of that situation. And Jenna, it reminds me of when Wilds joined the show. Wilds in 2014 went on the Bill Simmons podcast and just flamed me, and I've never even mentioned it to him. You move on. You, you get together and you move on. You work together, and it was a different right time. Now. 2014. Well, let's do just that. Let's move on. Uh, take a turn. Head north to Cheese Country, or the pack is about to get the last remaining piece of what could be their championship puzzle. It's next. Broussard, thank you. Wiles, you said you didn't know who I was back. in 2014. That's no, why. Former Packer Greg Jennings here to help us talk current Packers. A new report yesterday has Green Bay among the teams interested in trading for Texans wide receiver Will Fuller. Despite a history of injury problems, Fuller's played in all seven games this year. When he's on the field, he's a dynamic weapon. When he's off the field, I'm sure he's good at other things, but that's not important now. Greg Jennings. Do the Packers need to add another weapon for Nick to move them up a tier to true contenders? Oh. Oh. Nick to move them up a tier. Um, Nick, you yeah. should just move them up a tier. Stop treating them like that, man. They, they don't need to add anything oh. else. But they do uh, okay. to, to make a deep run and to just secure that receiver okay. room. I definitely they think do they agree. do need to add a weapon. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I look at the reports that are out there and Will Fuller, and I'm not high on Will Fuller um, because of the injuries and, and playing in the cold weather and just Always his level um, of play that he could provide. It would be good. But a guy, to me, that would fit this team to the T is a guy like Golden Tate. He's in New York. He's not winning oh. anything. He's Ooh. a big playmaker. He's an older guy who just Ooh, wants I to like win it. at this stage in his career. He can make impact plays. He can play in the slot. I he can like play it. outside. He's durable. Go get Golden Tate, guys. I like that. I like it. So here'd be my question, Brandon. Is receiver really the Packers' biggest need? Because when, last year, what was their problem? They got bullied by the Niners twice. They were, what were they yeah. last year, 14-2 yeah. and two against everyone yeah, not named San Francisco and then 0-2 against San Francisco, yep. right? And, and this yep. year, what's the one game they've looked bad? The Bucks. They got bullied Tampa. by the Bucks yep. and they couldn't stop the Bucks. So to me, if you're talking about the Packers making a move, if they're going to trade a significant asset, I would be a little more interested in seeing if, I don't know, Stephon Gilmore's available. Than if a guy such no, as yeah. Will Gosh, Fuller's right. available, I would be more interested in finding out if I can add either some. No offensive linemen are going to come available, so either I some defensive line or secondary help than wide receiver help at this point in the season, Brandon. 
I just think the defense is too far off. And, and whenever you get an opportunity to maximize your time left with Aaron Rodgers, you do it. Because I go back to your days, Greg, when I look at this. Yeah, I'm with you, too. There's some better options out there. But whenever you can surround Aaron with talent the way they did back in the day with you, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, you had Randall Cobb come in there later, James Jones. Every time I turned yeah. on the TV, I'm like, this guy has 10 touchdowns. That guy has 10 touchdowns. You guys were unstoppable. So, Nick, you have a great point, right, because they do need help. But I think this defense is more than capable of doing what Greg talked about earlier in the show, is just giving us more opportunities. This is not the Seattle Seahawks defense. So when I think about it, I just love surrounded Aaron Rodgers with more playmakers. This guy is magical. He's not the type of dude just drop back and throw it to Greg every single time. He's the type of dude that wants to get everyone involved. And when he has three, four, pass catchers, man, the like, man, it, it, it's over with for the NFL. So I like this, you know, especially with guys being banged up, Wilds. So, Greg, my question is, um, when you see, like, Tampa, which has a pretty good offense, and they get Antonio Brown, like, we're going to get even better. That's one side of the coin. And then you look at Seattle, it's like, wow, well, we're terrible on defense. We need to really sort of solidify that. Packers are somewhere in between. Like, they don't really need a wide receiver, do they? He's got, Aaron Rodgers got 17 touchdowns, third in the league, and he's played one fewer games than Brady, and he's second in uh, passer rating. So to me, it feels like, I don't know, I don't like flirting with the idea, because Aaron Rodgers consumes a lot of media, even though it says he doesn't. And it'd be like, ah, we ended up not getting a wide receiver <laughs> even after I read all these reports. For me, I'm 100% I'm in with, with what Brandon is saying. If you surround Aaron Rodgers with just unlimited access to talent and skill players, the sky is the limit. This is what he's always thrived with. This is what he's always typically had when we've seen the Packers overcome the lack of defensive play. And if they can't play the way everybody's saying the, 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 against the 49ers and the teams that play that tough, nasty Grind it out type of style of football. What we saw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how you counter that is with offense. Put a group of guys on that field offensively that is going to create so much stress for the opposition defensively that gives you a chance every time you well, step on the football field. Well, then let me throw a different name at you guys. And Brandon, I'll kick this one to you because the Packers made a conscious choice not to go after a wide receiver this offseason. And I think part of that was yeah, they, yeah. they love Devontae Adams, obviously. They think they have a true number one. And the other is, I think they look at it and say, we've been developing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, and we want to continue to have them be involved in the offense. They've, they've put, if not money resources into that position, time and rep resources into that position. If we're going to focus on the offensive side of the ball, one spot they didn't address in the draft, they haven't spent money on, they haven't spent reps on, is tight end. If we're talking about the Giants yeah. selling off pieces, what about buying super low on your brief teammate Evan Ingram? 
Former first-round pick. A guy who is you, in college showed flashes of being a big-time playmaker. In the, in the NFL, yeah. has had some drops issues, isn't a great blocker, is, however, a big fan of first things first, big LeBron guy, what up, Evan? And maybe could use a change of scenery, Brandon. Like, how? Greg, you said you like it. Yeah. How do you think that fits, Brandon? Yeah, I'll pass it to, to, to Greg quickly here. I, I love it. I play with Evan. This dude is underachieving right now. He could easily be one of the most premier tight ends in the National Football League. He definitely could use a change of scenery, Greg. I don't, I don't know if you think he fits in there, but I think he does. I 100% love that, Nick. And I think he fits in great. When I first saw Evan Ingram, he reminded me, he was so reminiscent of Jermichael Finley to me. He catches the ball well. Oh, you can split him out. He's really a hybrid wide receiver playing tight end with a huge frame. That would be phenomenal. I would love to see that. Again, the Packers need to make a splash. Why not? I love the fact that we were talking about Will Fuller and we all came up with 13 other names playing the role of GM <laughs> for the Packers. Greg, uh, I want to take your get your take on something we heard from Aaron Rodgers during his press conference yesterday. I'll ask you about it on the other side, but take a listen to this. Just wondering if you might be willing to hop into the DeLorean with me. Back to 2008, your first career start. It's a Monday night. It's against Minnesota at Lambeau. What was that day like for you? And was there a time either leading up to the game or during the game where you really ultimately felt settled? Well, I don't, I don't feel like I felt settled until I hit Greg on that, um, you know, deep corner post in the beginning of the second quarter, I believe it was. All right, oh. 85, take us oh. through this play. Uh, let me tell you, so we get in the, we get in the huddle, and anytime – Anytime you get a play and you know it's coming to you, like, I don't know, Brandon, if this ever happened to you, but I would be like, okay, man, make this play. Don't, don't do yeah, nothing stupid. Don't just get a ball start. <laughs> just catch the ball. And I remember running the route and I'm thinking, he's not going to throw this. And I turn around and I look up and the ball is in the air. And I just have that mentality of go make a play for your quarterback and ended up making a great play. He made the great throw. The next like a couple plays later, the touchdown pass he threw, the twerk and how he contorted his body, though, That's that was ridiculous. That's when we knew. I mean, we knew it probably well before, but Aaron was going to be special. That was I 62 love, I love when guys yards in the air. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. That was 62 yeah. yards in the air. That's, that ins that's an insane throw. That's unbelievable. Hey, listen, Brandon, there's a couple sorry, guys, just... man, that we just don't talk. No, this is a couple guys we just don't talk about at the wide receiver position. So I love Aaron Rodgers going back to that moment and highlighting one of my all-time favorite wide receivers, Greg Jennings, oh, wow. Pro Bowler. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. You know, you know who made you, man. Go back to those days. All these new wide receivers you're playing with, James Jones, uh, Donald Driver. Those are the guys that got you where you're at. Good job highlighting your It doesn't your matter who we're talking about. You got a jersey and a football for <laughs> everything. Greg, Greg, thank you so much every time. for hanging out with us. Uh, back to Philly, where the Sixers facing an interesting dilemma heading into next season. We'll tell you about that next. First things first. Jersey man.
Time now for stories oh, to God. start your morning sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. The Sixers made a splash yesterday when it was announced they are nearing a deal with former Rockets GM Daryl Morey to become their president of basketball operations as opposed to taking the year off and hanging out with Nick, as Nick had wanted and mentioned earlier. And besides Maury's wit, he is most famous for his analytics-driven small ball approach in Houston, which leaves Joel Embiid and especially Ben Simmons in a bit of an awkward position. So, Nick, should Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey just clean house in Philly? No, they shouldn't clean house, but I have to address what you said. Y'all are laughing. Guys, we, jo yeah. our beloved Joy Taylor on Thursday Night Football, along with Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, does like a simulcast of football games where they give commentary. Daryl and I were going to do that for the upcoming NBA season, and then he took a new job. <laughs> so I'm wounded by my I friend. I can't believe he chose that job over this. hanging out with you. Yeah. I thought there's he was no going to take way, a year there's off. There's no way you unwind. What? There's no way you convinced him to do a show with you on Twitch. There's no way. Oh, uh, okay, a thousand percent. It was all but done, and then all of a sudden, the dude who owns Fanatics comes in with his big money writing checks, and I'm out in the cold. So okay, set me aside. This would have been good. What will this mean for Philly? Yes. There was a lot of commentary right when this happened, showing Ben Simmons' shot chart, show you know talking about Joel Embiid, small ball guys. Daryl Morey is not married to small ball. Daryl Morey is married to looking at the best player or players on the roster and say, how can I build a team around the, that guy or those guys that most, uh, that, that use their talents to the best of their abilities? So the reason the Rockets played the way they played was not because of Daryl Morey as much as it was because of James Harden's unique and specific skill set. Obviously, Simmons and Embiid are drastically different players. Where I think the Sixers are, Brandon, going to be in so much better shape than they were two weeks ago is they got much better at yep. head coach, obviously, even though Doc Rivers has flaws, he's better than Brett Brown, and they got exponentially better in the front office. And where Daryl has been as good as any GM ever is finding legitimate players in the second round, undrafted, minimum yep. contracts, and when you have a salary cap situation like Philly, that's where you're gonna have to improve the team in addition to maybe one significant trade. But I would not expect, Brandon, for them to trade Simmons or Embiid until you see what they look like for a year together under yep. the team Daryl puts around them and under Doc Rivers coaching. No, I agree with you. And uh, of course, you, you know this guy. You spent a lot of time with him down in Houston. You have his cell phone number. You're about yep. to launch a Twitch show with this guy before he took this yeah, gig. We so of course, I agree <laughs> with mm -hmm. you there. But, but, but Nick, let's go back to the bubble. Remember, Ben Simmons goes down. Embiid is now, he's the only guy, he is the only leader there in that locker room. And with it, we see, we saw bo bad body language. We saw poor leadership. We saw him tweeting other players. And when we talked yep. about what they needed to do moving forward, a lot of us talked about leadership. So earlier on in the show, we talked about Rondo going to the Clippers. 
Why not Rondo going here? Because of his style of leadership. That's what this team is missing. They have two superstar uh, 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 ballers, guys that's, to me, top 15. Uh, both of those guys in the top 15 in the NBA. Sure. Why wouldn't you go get a leader like a Rondo that can galvanize this locker room? Because that's not, that's not his MO to come in and, and trade away good players. His MO, the last 10 years, anytime you saw the transaction in the NBA, you thought it was him behind it and his mo is how can i acquire really good guys so when you have doc and you have maury i think it's a great combination if they bring in a solid leader i got the to-do list for maury he faxed it over to me on this yellow piece of paper here's what they are first thing to do <laughs> make it work. work second thing to do move forward <laughs> the third thing to do is talk to doc so the first thing on make it make it work uh, Embiid and Simmons actually do work. If we look at what Dan Devine wrote, he, he encapsulated it perfectly. He wrote, as popular as it's been, to insist that the gargantuan Embiid-Simmons pairing is fundamentally flawed and incapable of success in the modern NBA, the Sixers still outscored opponents by about two points per 100 possessions. So Maury just needs to come in and make it work. Problem number two. Got to move Horford. Horford doesn't work. Tobias Harris will work, but Horford doesn't. He's got a huge contract. So he's got to make some magic there. Maybe he goes back to the Celtics for Gordon Hayward. Maybe he can ship him to Washington for John Wall. Maybe he's going for, to Buddy Heald. I don't think that's going to happen, but it'd be interesting. The third thing, talk to Doc. Because Doc, I think, is hungry for a winning season. I think Doc and Daryl need to get on the same page on when are we measuring success. Doc just went through a year where he got superstars in a new environment, basically a new environment for him, uh, lost, had a disappointing season, and got fired. While he's yep. not gonna get fired, I wanna make sure that their timelines, Nick, are on the same spot, because I don't think Daryl feels like he's in win now mode, and I bet Doc does. Well, well, I, dis mm. I disagree with the Daryl point. I think Daryl believes they, you know, they're going to try to win a title this year, make the finals this year. Okay. But I don't think Daryl looks at it as a one-year time horizon. But I don't think Doc does either. I don't think Doc took this job as the, you know, I'm going to coach for three years and be out. And the Sixers do have all their picks and a surplus of second rounders, so they'll be able to make moves. But I just want to build on your Simmons and Embiid point and then add something to it. Their first year together, their on-court numbers were outstanding. Last year, not this past year, so I guess the year before last, they were in yeah. a game seven, a tie game against the Raptors, who went on to win the title. The idea that it can't work, that it's just fundamentally flawed, history belies that. And with Doc being the coach and Daryl finding the supporting pieces, even if the offense becomes a work in progress, what will happen, I guarantee it, if Philadelphia is healthy, they will be the defensive team next year. They were supposed to be this past year. Ben Simmons is an mm. all-NBA caliber defender, arguably a defensive player Freak. of the year caliber defender. Joel Embiid, when motivated, can be a very good rim protector. Daryl will find the P.J. Tuckers of the world playing in Russia to come over and be, and found Pat Beverly in Russia, to come over and be legitimate role player complementary defensive pieces. So something you could never, except for the 2018 right. season, Jenna, rely on heavily 
heavily in Houston, the defense. Yeah. That will be Philly's foundational part with Doc and Daryl running the show, and they're built out from there. Maybe they were just a head coach away from seeing Simmons and Embiid work, so we'll have to see. All right, let's take a turn. Talk some Cleveland Browns this morning. This team's sitting at 5-2, and two, but also sitting in third place in the AFC North, and now without their star receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., after he tore his ACL. Jarvis Landry, his fellow wide receiver and friend, was asked if it's at all possible that this Browns team's offense could be better without Odell, and his response was an emphatic not true at all. But Jarvis, looking at the numbers, there quite possibly could be a case to be made. Case in point, this past Sunday, what Odell, uh, Baker was able to do after Odell left. Brandon, is Jarvis yeah. being a good friend, or is there a hint of truth to his statement here? It's both. It's both. I mean, look, let's let's be honest here. Odell Beckham Jr. is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. In the right situation, he could easily be the best wide receiver in the game. And if he continue, if he was able to do that back to back to back, he could be in the conversation as one of the greatest wide receivers ever. But this was not a good fit. Sometimes when you're a dominant wide receiver, and I said this uh, all week, and I said it earlier in the show, but it's not going to change around this conversation of Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns and Odell and Baker Mayfield. Dominant wide receiver puts pressure on the play caller and also the quarterback. Just look at Baker's numbers. Numbers don't lie. When Baker is thrown to other guys, Higgins, for example, he's 10 for 11 in the last three, three games, two touchdowns. There isn't any inefficiencies thrown to, to Jarvis Landry. They're on the same page. I don't believe, I know it's not Odell's fault. It's not even the, 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 the offensive coordinator, play caller, Stefanski's fault. It's how do we get this guy with Baker, who is a little challenged, throwing the ball. How do we get these guys on the same page? They haven't been able to figure that out. So for that reason, I do believe the Cleveland Browns will be better because it's going to take pressure off of Baker Mayfield. All right, well, so this is incredibly frustrating for me, not only because Odell's my pal, but because no matter what happens in this Browns game on Sunday, Monday morning, yep. one of my two cohorts, either Jenna Silky Johnson-Wolf or Brandon Buck Nasty Marshall from the Player Haters Ball is going to be able to come on here and just crush one of these guys. If the Browns win, Jenna's going to be able to come on and be, see, told you Odell and all his silly antics were the problem. And if the Browns lose, Brandon's going to be able to come on here and say, see, told you Baker stinks. That's why you got to go to Case Perfect Keenum. Spot. So it's kind of a lose-lose for your old buddy. Win-win for us. With that said, Said, Brandon, I got a quick question for you. How did you impact games when you didn't touch yep. the ball? How did you impact yep. your team's ability to run the football just by existing? And how much will right. that impact the Browns by not having a guy like that out there on running plays? Forget passing plays. Good question. Good question. So uh, there was a, there's a few things. The number one thing is actually pulling coverage. Like I took pride in that. I took pride when seeing the, the corner roll over to my side and leaving Eric Decker, Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, man right. to man, cover zero. I took pride getting to the red zone and having vice. This is things you see in special teams. I took pride in that. So 100% it impacts if the, the rest of the offense, when you have a dominant number one receiver, it, it creates matchups in the run game and also on the other side of the field with your tight ends and wide receivers.
All right. Well, uh, look, it's it's I can't tell if the Browns' offense gets better. Is that an indictment on Odell or an indictment on Baker? I would argue. I think it would be an indictment on Baker. That's a good question. Well, if if there's a Porsche in front of my house and I can't drive it, it's not the Porsche's fault. Yeah, I can't operate something <laughs> awesome. So, so the, yeah. the idea that but like they're going to get better, Wilds, Odell, point, Odell can't make it work. It's, like, Wilds, it's not Odell's fault. But it also means awesome the you might want to. It it also means you might want to sell the Porsche though. If 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 you realize you can't drive it. But you can get Chemistry. to work without it. Which, it might mean this offseason you sell the Porsche. Probably what's going to happen with Odell, and we will continue yeah. to talk about that. The Browns hosting the Raiders on Sunday. We'll see if Brandon and I are winners come Monday.